good to be back in the studio. It's been a couple of weeks, Rawdon, that we've been uh, on the tools in uh, in another dimension doing various other things. It's quite pleasant to be inside the Millennium Noggin once again and just uh, embraced by the four walls of this delightful little uh, spacecraft. Well, the, and, the Millennium Noggin is and uh, jetting one of the kind. out into uh, UTB land once again. Mm-hmm. Cam, g'day, mate. It's nice to have you back on board. Rawdon, it's uh, always a pleasure to be sitting across from you. and uh, Thanks, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very nice of you to say. And uh, Cam, uh, not that we'll be able to uh, disclose the, the gory details, but kicking goals outside of the yes. uh, Millennium Noggin. When, when we touched down at that, uh, uh, wherever we just came from. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's nice to hear, Cam. Yeah, he's just, you know, a couple of nights a week in yep. between the sheets, just getting the job done. Yep. I guess the homework over the coming month will be to take some ascendancy mm, and mm, uh, mm, switch mm. the positionary set up mm. around just a little bit. You know, well, we gave him two weeks to <laughs> two achieve weeks that target. To achieve that, which mm. I think is reasonable. Mm. Mm. Progressive um. overload, I think, and uh, volume and frequency <laughs> would be where you want to look at there, yeah. uh, Cam. All right, <laughs> nice, so where, where nice. are we going today, mate? Well, mate, I mean, look, the reason why this episode is what it is is because we've come off the back of a fairly uh, horrific under the bar <laughs> seminar, inducing seminar, yep. seminar experience. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about that in a second, but cool. excitingly, Rawdon, we have evil genius, Broderick Chavez, Mate, back he, on the uh, program. Everyone loves, seems to love the Broderick Chavez. More momentum to potentially get him out start of next year, most likely, if, if it's going to happen. And yeah. I will say that uh, shout out to uh, Dean McKillop from uh, Flex Success, a bit Ooh. of a shout out, really good guy. Uh, a really competent coach doing good things up there based in Queensland yep um, he's actually thrown his hand up and said uh, we'd love to be involved in getting the big fella out handle the Queensland side of things so he's yeah. getting momentum it may yeah. happen and look it's it's one of those things with uh, with Broderick Rawdon apart from mm. the fact that he's incredibly entertaining yeah. to listen to he's a real he's a wordsmith he is he's a widget smith a widget smith very uh, articulate with how he puts his point across yeah. and uh, wonderful with the analogies that really explain what's yes. going on mm. but you know it's it's hard fast cut and dry yep. science mm. this is what's going on yep no uh, happy uh, cells <laughs> No, no happy cells. No, no. You can't, <laughs> you you can't, can't back him in, into a corner no, on the God thing. No. He won't buy it, mm. which is cool. So he's going to be on today. And what we thought we would do is we're always talking about cells. Yes. We're always going on about mm. yeah. cell, cell swelling, yeah. in, into the cell, Intra, out of the cell. Intramuscular, cell you know, this, yep. Another example of how... <laughs> mitochondria, they're somewhere how, in a cell. Yeah, us as coaches pretend like we're biologists or doctors <laughs> and actually know more than what we do. Yes. Charading in Smoke our lab mirrors. coats. It's all smoke and mirrors. Smoke it's all mirrors. polywaffle. Yeah. I reckon the sooner the, the truth gets out there, the better. <laughs> yeah. The sooner you listeners stop listening to what we're going on about, the better. <laughs> so uh, pay attention to Broderick. Exactly. So we're getting him on to explain the fundamentals of the cell. Yeah. The biology 101. of the cell. Cellular biology 101. Oh, yeah. Back to school. Back to school. School. <laughs> <laughs> loose. Yeah, very loose. Loose. Okay, well, that's so, exciting. So yeah, he's coming up. He's going to be on in a second. That's pretty much all we need to do right now, Rawdon. Okay. If you'd like to get in contact with Under the Bar Podcast, you can go to our website. Mm, Slick website. There's various uh, email avenues. Speakpipe activities. Yeah. Very popular. The old, old Speakpipe. <laughs> speak it's, it's a good investment. Yeah, all that money we spend on it to keep it on the website. <laughs> maybe someone can uh, actually leave us a Speakpipe. Yep. I dare you. Yeah. Get on there. Leave uh, us I double dare you. Yeah. You can be anonymous. You can say mm. whatever you want. Mm. Promise we'll play it. Yep. There we are. Whatever it is, <laughs> we're going to play it. We're going <laughs> to play it. Warts and all. Yeah. Cam will have a sting if you don't mind. Yeah. 
We've been on the air for just a few minutes, and already I feel so much better than what yeah. I felt like on the, the weekend. Juices, the juices, the loose juice is flowing. <laughs> the loose juice. <laughs> it absolutely yeah, it's is. it's oozing. Yeah, I mean, the whole seminar experience, you, you know, I just don't know that it's the avenue that I mm. personally wish to pursue. Well, I mean, yeah. the whole thing went well. On paper, it we, we achieved boxes. exactly what it we... It kicked goals. Yeah, what we set out to achieve. Mm. We had the nice format, the two desks mic'd up at the front. A couple was, of banners. Yeah, it was panel style. Mm. Some great content from the presenters. Mm. Uh, a lovely Those first, uh, first two were great. <laughs> yeah, first Last two. two. Go, Bringing up the rear. Yeah, don't know about that. Got them. messy. We got sloppy <laughs> after lunch. <laughs> we won't get them back again. No. <laughs> but uh, a wonderful group of attendees. Yeah. Uh, lovely people that were there. A nice, well, we had 30, 35, I think, in mm. total, maybe 36 or 7, whatever it mm. was. It all went wonderfully well, but... I leave, I walk away <laughs> feeling, you know... I, I, a touch uh, of where we used to work, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Can't put my finger on it, but, mm. um, you know, certainly glad that it's done. But uh, interestingly, yeah. Tom, I will say before you go on that yes. uh, quite a, a strange contrast because leading up to it, very, very chilled, very uh, enjoyable <laughs> process. <laughs> you know, it, it's quite unusual that on the day it went that way because uh, it was it was, it was, was a... You know, I was getting texts from you. Hey, man, this is all going really well. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to present. And yeah, then, computer's uh, working well. Computer's, yeah. there was no coffee spilled. Didn't spill a coffee on it. Yeah. <laughs> for our listeners, there was uh, quite a lot of uh, really, really practicing uh, the opposite to what he preaches and uh, yeah. immersing himself in a, in a world of cortisol, far more than what was required. But, mm. yeah, I mean, um, from my standing... I really wanted everyone, including uh, all four of us presenting, so Lucid Luke, Dr. Vanesh, myself, and of course yourself, uh, really enjoying the process. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I agree that as much as it was slick and ran well, and we ticked all the boxes, whether the, you know, whether that format is, is right for all of us. You know, yeah. and um, that's for us to go back to the drawing board and uh, maybe I mean, a few ideas that were thrown around, more of a, a concept of the under the bar hosting, uh, you know, the guests, similar to a, uh, an episode of Under the Bar podcast, which yeah. seems to be what people are attracted to rather than... <laughs> Well, that's you know, what the reality is. They're probably not here listening to us. It's probably the guests, yeah, and, yeah, and we're, we're we're the first to admit that. So, and that and that probably is one of our strengths is uh, as uh, interviewees, the interviewer I should say, not the interviewee, but yeah. but but being able to um, direct and guide and 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 layman's terms uh, the various concepts that these guys and girls are talking about. So maybe mm. some sort of uh, seminar where we present someone. We get them up there, uh, and then we're there interacting with the audience, you know, going around, uh, getting questions from the audience, that type of stuff. So maybe, maybe that might be the future of uh, if we do uh, have a seminar where we where we uh, are going to offer, um, uh, you know, a, a seminar style format mm. again. So maybe. Yeah, look, we'll see. There were some really useful, wonderful takeaways yeah. in terms of the the content that was yep. produced on the day, and I certainly learned a lot. Once again. Dr. Vinesh Singh paints yep. a, a picture of total doom <laughs> Misery. and gloom. Yeah. You know, we've all got uh, our digestive systems are all screwed. Yep. We're all going to die. Mm, disease uh, is just around the corner. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Could happen to anyone. Anyway. You could be feeling great. That doesn't mean you're going to be in <laughs> no. a couple of weeks. <laughs> no. In fact, I'd be very, very wary if you're feeling great. Yes. Straight to the doctor. Yes. No, but look, there was a lot of very well broken down science yep. on gut health on uh, leptin sensitivity, all this kind of stuff, but some very simple takeaways when you look at it all, Rod. And I mean, mm. the key message, uh, I guess, over the day was that of energy balance. Mm. But 
also just general activity. Mm. All of these health markers, uh, whether it's uh, what Vinny was looking at with inflammation, gut health, what Luke was looking at with this lipid accumulation around cells and just the build-up of of this fat around clogging up cells and the effectiveness of the whole process, just general activity, Mm. more exercise, and um, you know, a, a slight energy deficit mm. will really uh, go a long way to sorting out yeah. a, a lot of health concerns. You know, and and, and that, and that uh, as much as I, I think a lot of us try to make it um, not well, not try they uh, want it to be a, a little more complicated and 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 want there to be you know some crazy reason as to why you know things aren't progressing or you know they have to tackle things a certain way. You know, the reality is, like you said, maybe, you know, maybe it's just a case of moving a little more and eating a little a little less than what we actually uh, do currently. And yeah. uh, a lot of the things uh, will fall into place. And I don't think it's anything new, but, um, you know, the the reality with, with everything at our fingertips now, yeah, we just move less and less and less. So, um, yeah, I think that's a... a as fascinating as it was to, to understand all these uh, scenarios and, and, and things that can really um, influence uh, the fat loss, you know, fundamentally, if we all just move a little more and, uh, you know, sit down a little less and, and, and um, then uh, on top of that, you know, uh, eat, eat a little less, then, um, you know, more often than not, we're going to be feeling a lot better and uh, looking a lot better. That was the crux of my argument. But um, Yes, well, I mean, uh, I guess from your perspective and what's... Uh Really interesting is that you've done the typical Dubois take it to the extreme uh, <laughs> method yeah. and actually started uh, measuring and putting numbers on all this activity. Yes. So, so yeah. You know, there's no escaping. There's no, there's no yeah, escaping. Big brother, <laughs> the big brother is watching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got the little Fitbit on all, your, on all your athletes, uh, and they've got to hit a certain amount of steps. Yep. When they train, it comes off. When they do their cardio, it comes off. Then it yep. comes back on, and you know, it just it keeps them accountable, and you Keep. can actually as you bring energy balance down and increase mm. exercise plan yep. exercise you can also then mani- manipulate the amount of steps they're taking in a day yeah, and, so and titrate that up and down exactly just so they're uh, and you can use it in the off season too for when you're driving energy to um fuel hypertrophy and mm. um you know push muscle max muscle mass upward you know and i guess the the idea with in my demographic okay the competition prep or uh, photo shoot preparation athletes, so um, very, very specific end goal. So if I can control as many variables as possible, and for our listeners, if they can, as, as coaches, then uh, you know it's it's you can replicate it over and over again, and mm. um, and the consistency in theory theoretically should be much better. Yeah. So um, yeah, so far so good. It all seems to be going quite well, and uh, and like you said, that accountability every day, checking in with their step count keeps them involved in that process too so um and and look you know i I tell them that they can't jump on a treadmill and do it that you know the allocated cardio session is on the treadmill they need to get outdoors and actually experience life you know Mm. life be in it get out amongst it in the sunshine to get your uh, step count up for the day so uh you know i've got no hesitation in uh, telling my uh guys and girls to get out and uh out into the you know the the fresh air and uh, mm. watch the world go by. Very nice. So another seminar done and dusted. Dusted. Thank heavens for that. <laughs> um, we're going to go to Broderick Chavez and pick apart the mysteries of the living cell, and um, go back to the drawing board with the podcast room. Mm. And we've got some really cool guests coming up in the future and some mm-hmm. exciting things to move forward to. So we have. So we're going to go to uh, the evil genius Broderick Chavez. Yep. And Rodden, before we actually we got him on the line. And we were talking... The line on the line. The line on the line. We were talking off air and... Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, a and, doozy. And we were sort of... Uh, 
We got into a horrific training injury. Retrospectively, that, that, you know, I think he did have a bit of a gill when he was telling us about it. But yeah, yeah horrible. But and, and so that kind of happened before we had a ch- chance to officially start the interview. Mm. So this is going to start with Roderick telling the story <laughs> about how... Don't we laugh, it's not funny. ...broke every bone in his feet on the leg press. Oh, so that's where we're picking no, things up. No! <laughs> Reevaluate your life, asshole. You're fucking it up! Because you can't cheat biology. A thousand grams of carbohydrates a day, that's what I'm fucking doing. Because you can't cheat biology. Leg press is far more insidious. Yeah. Far more insidious. <laughs> yes. The reason we're, we're, we're screwing around with you, uh, and our listeners probably don't know, but uh, and and I know you're, you're quite uh, ashamed almost to talk about it on air, but... Uh, uh, you did actually on one of uh, our mentor sessions because uh, for our listeners, I do we do do weekly mentor sessions, uh, invaluable sessions. But uh, you did reveal uh, a, a, an injury, and I, I thought this was uh, horrific enough to uh, relive for our listeners. And uh, I did uh, tell Tommy, but but I didn't do it justice, mate. Maybe you could uh, talk us through it, mate, because it uh, it sounded horrible, and I, I really don't know how well, you put it. it you set the, so to speak the foot back in the gym after that. It was. Uh, what what happened? <laughs> well, that wasn't the problem. As a matter of fact, my 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 wife was kind enough to wheelchair my ass into the <laughs> into the gym shortly thereafter. I uh, I was performing bench presses and uh, behind the neck presses with pins and screws and shit sticking out of my feet. So, um, the getting back in the gym wasn't the problem. Uh, but the injury was. I don't know if I'm ashamed of it, but. Probably embarrassed is a better word. Yeah. But um, I was training with a good friend of mine. Uh, he, not that this matters to the story, but he's a pro wrestler. Um, and well, I guess it does matter because you can get an idea of his dimensions. He's yeah. a very big individual. He's yeah. well over six foot. Probably, fuck, I don't know. Probably damn near two meters tall. He's a big yeah. bastard. Yeah. And uh, and I am not. I'm, no. I'm 168 centimeters. <laughs> so there's a pretty big dichotomy between the two of us, and we were leg pressing. We had squatted first, and then we were like pressing, and uh, I think we had north of a thousand pounds on the damn thing, probably like twelve hundred pounds. And the leg press was not particularly modern. It was very nice, you you know, completely usable piece of equipment, but not super modern. Mm. And uh, it had two rack heights: one mm. that was very fucking high, <laughs> that literally I could not reach, and one was pretty low even for me, which. Mm. I don't even think he could have gotten into it yeah. at the bottom position. Yeah. So what was happening was I would do a set of leg presses, <laughs> and then at the very end of the set, I would literally forcibly like throw the, the, <laughs> the sled up oh. and time slapping the handles in uh. to, to catch the weight without a, <laughs> for a handful of sets. And uh, I just I just mistimed it, oh. and I flinged the weight up in the air and uh, wasn't. I think what I did is I, I slapped the handles in and they kind of popped back out. But regardless, the whole whatever, 12, 11, 1,200 pounds came straight down. And uh, I landed in a kind of like plie position. You know, my, my, you know, my toes were on the sled, but my heels were up, my knees were forward. And it came all the way down and I uh, just snapped every, met, if you know anatomy, metatarsal in both feet. It just literally severed my feet in the middle and rolled them back. Oh. And then that still wasn't all of the range of motion. You know, and there's still quite a significant amount of load and momentum. And so it continued to break bones in my feet. And being the analytical asshole that I am, 
I'm literally, instead of like screaming out in pain or yelling for help, or, <laughs> I'm literally cataloging the bones that were breaking. It was like my response to the, to wow. the trauma. I literally was going, oh shit, I think that was my calcanus. Oh, look at that, my talus broke. Oh my god. <laughs> I was cataloging the bones as they were crushing. And, uh, you know, I mean, there were people there and they helped me quickly, but certainly not quickly enough to prevent catastrophic injury. Oh. And uh, I, I was, you know, I was uh, probably going into shock, but I, I literally stood up and walked across the room and my feet were like flopping like flippers. And it, it was real bad. And uh, I, from that moment on, I really don't remember much, but apparently I was rushed to the hospital. My wife met me there and, uh, you know, medical stupidness ensued. But uh, the, one, the one thing I do remember vaguely at that point was uh, they rushed me in, obviously, foot injury. It went straight off to the uh, x-ray, to the imaging area, and they took an x-ray of my feet, and the doctor comes over and shows me this x-ray of, of one of my feet. And it literally, in my mind, didn't look like a foot. It looked like a plate of chicken bones. It looked like somebody had eaten a bowl of wings and just threw them on the countertop. Oh, wow. So... That's kind of seared into my mind, so I, I wince now when I see someone eating, you know, chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and what was the uh, and and also the that was one thing, but then uh, then it was six months. Where the missus was uh, uh, you were banging around the house in the wheelchair and uh, incapacitated for a, a significant length of time. Yeah, after that. Yeah, it was it was yeah it was actually about nine months, uh, but it was wow. Yeah, and and I was horrible. Uh, my my wife is such an amazing human being because she put up yeah. with shit that I would not, I would have suffocated her if she acted like I did. <laughs> um, it just, I was terrible. Yeah, wow. uh, they had, they had me very seriously medicated and I just was like a giant, you know, 200 plus pound, two year old flopping around the house. And yeah. I would, I would take my pain medicine and forget that I was injured and I would literally like get up and walk across the room wow. and then realize that I fucking couldn't and fall on the floor. And, and it was, it was, it was just absolutely absurd. And, and that wasn't that long ago either, yeah, brother. It was uh, it wasn't like uh, this was back in the day. It was a few years ago. Thirteen. Yeah. When it actually happened, were you actually pinned under the the press for a period of time while they took the weight off and everything? Or yeah, it was a period of time, but I mean, it was pretty quick. But I mean, in terms of an injury like that, I mean, the injury happened in half a second. Yeah. Um, I I think I was probably free to the thing well inside of thirty seconds. seconds but, but that's certainly yeah. that's long enough to do all the damage oh, it did. What yeah, a horrific well, story. Look, you hear, you do hear of these things occasionally mm. uh, happening at the gym, <laughs> but uh, you well and truly took it to the next level, uh, Broderick. Yeah, uh, I'm impressed. That's one of the You're going to do I it. See, he didn't just do one foot, to Tommy. It seems Both. to be my way in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow. Well, all right. Well, that uh, that's a good place to start, I suppose. So we've well, got we've got you back if on. If I could add this, talking about being slightly embarrassed about it, at the moment of the well, not at the moment of the injury, but at the moment of medical attention, the local hospital, albeit not a true expert, but somebody who you know knew human anatomy and knew I was pretty fucked up, uh, took one look at me and told me, he said, "You may want to start preparing yourself for the idea that you may not walk again, mm, wow. and if you do, it certainly won't be without a limb." So the fact that I can, you know, squat and deadlift and act like the asshole that I am, I'm reasonably proud of that part. 
Yeah, and, and then you, you said before we uh, kicked off today, had a, a great squat, squat session for our listeners. 200 kgs, no belt uh, for eight. I think, uh, I think you're still doing a respectable effort there, mate. I would say, Broderick, that you probably, from all of your years of training, you probably squat and deadlift and bench easier than you actually do walking around the house and doing yeah. other things. Yeah. In fact, I probably do. <laughs> uh, certainly better motor patterns, to be honest. And mm. uh, and again, for our listeners, you, you you know, if they don't follow you on social media, you you, could, you got a, a quite uh, agile. I think you put a pick up with uh, pretty much doing the splits almost. Your, your legs were either way. So for a, uh, a hefty 200 plus. Uh, meter high uh, uh, individual you, you, you got quite a bit of uh, mobility far more than what I have yeah. anyway and, and I hate to blame things on genetics because I really think that's a douchey thing to do in life mm. but I've been reasonably flexible my entire life and mm. with a small amount of effort I've been able to preserve it into uh, affirmity and old age so <laughs> I've maybe had a little bit easier time with that than some <laughs> very good alright alright well so I'm just, just going to compose myself, get yeah. my guts back into uh, alignment. Yeah, and, your nuts uh, out of the guts. Yeah, and we'll get the interview underway. Now, Broderick, over the last couple of episodes, we talk about things that are happening on the cellular level yeah. and, and a bit of this and a few, that. A few little uh, nuggets dropped here and there, which we're going to go a little, little deeper into today. Yeah, yeah, but we thought maybe with your biology background, it mm. might be sort of back to school mm. and a notepad and pen out, and maybe mm. we can start mm. by going through the actual, the basics of a cell. You know, at high school you get the diagram of the circle with a little nucleus in the inside, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Mm. But there's so much going, there's so much going on. It wouldn't be, it would be nice if we could get a bit of a, an overview as to the basic structure of a cell and, and mm. where life starts, I guess, mm. at that level. And especially for you, Tom, because you have been doing some, uh, you know, some further educations and seminars, yes. and uh, Broderick would be in in tune with uh, with the, your uh, philosophies on, on on the cells and happy cells to to a degree, and yeah. now, how, now, no, don't laugh, Broderick. Come on, just, just roll with me, okay? Roll with me, but uh, it was lovingly so. It was lovingly so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but even that aside, like I mean, it is it is something that we we, we talk about mitochondria this, mitochondria that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to mention the uh, crab cycle or something. We're going to have some <laughs> look at some crabs or something. The cycle of a life cycle of a crab. We're going to look at that, but. Uh, all jokes aside, I mean, you know, when people understand how things work, in, you know, if hopefully Broderick's going to put it into layman's terms for our listeners and, and us, because mm. we really, really love the layman type explanations. But, um, you know, when people understand how things work a little better, they, they their application of things thereafter yes. is, 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 yes. is much better because they just get it. Yep. So um, really looking forward to this one, uh, Broderick. All right. Um, well, Interestingly, uh, and Tommy, you're probably going to enjoy this more than more than Rodon by by a mile. Mm. Um, if if I never mentioned this, um, I I had my absolute fill of academia at the end of my four year degree. Yeah. But previous to getting the complete and total shits with uh, American academia, my <laughs> desire was to go on and get uh, further education, postgraduate work, specifically in evolutionary biology. Ooh, that's where yeah. my interest truly lies, and that's where I wanted to proceed to. And yeah. what you're talking about, the actual structure of the cell, um, factors or kind of plays into that really, really well. What I'll do is I'll describe a cell, and then I'll actually go backward and describe how it is believed that that came to be a thing yeah. and ultimately became the progenation 
of everything that now is. Awesome. That so, sounds awesome. Yeah, very good, very good. Starting at the beginning, we, you know, at the base level of essentially human biology, you have a cell. It is defined as the smallest unit of self-sustaining life. Okay. There's a lot of argument as to whether or not that's really an accurate statement. I'll come back to that in a moment. But if we accept that in terms of um, functioning life as we know it, so you've got a cell membrane. And basically what that is is some sort of barrier that keeps the outside out and the inside in. Sounds really obvious and basic, but yet it is super fundamental to keeping things separate and allowing processes to happen inside and not be wildly affected by the temperature, salinity, all sorts of things that could happen, say, in uh, pond water. You could have a, a pond, and if you didn't have that firm barrier, just simply floating a few meters this way or that, could wreck everything. Mm. So it's very important that you have a barrier to allow you to you as a, a cell to adjust your internal conditions to the way they are most optimal or most yep. survival. Yep. So you've got this barrier, cell membrane. Um, then you have inside of the cell membrane, before you even talk about nucleuses and all these things, you have something. There's some sort of matrix, material. Uh, in, in the case of most fundamental cells, it's something called cytoplasm. It literally means living jelly. That's literally what the Latin <laughs> translation means. Mm. Plasm is, is gel, and cyto is early life, basic life. So you have this living gel. It's amino acids, salts, water, a number of things that that cell would find beneficial to survival. So it's basically a barrier keeping the good shit in and preventing it from getting out, mm -hmm. and a barrier keeping the bad shit on the outside from getting in. Mm. So that's the fundamental concept of a cell. Then within the cell, there are things called organelles. Basically, it's what you think it means. Organs. Organelle. That's why we are, organs are called what they are. Um, organelles, there are a scad of them, and as you move up complexity, the evolutionary complexity of cells, there's more and more to talk about. We're going to talk about just the basic one, which is the mitochondria. And you hear all sorts of euphemisms and concepts. It's the powerhouse of the cell, or it's <laughs> the, the... All of that is basically accurate, but fundamentally wrong. The mitochondria is the part of the cell that carries the genetic information. It carries the nuclear information. When you go to make a new cell, you start with a mitochondria. All the other stuff is relatively easy to make and find. Right. You find the genetic information, the quote, blueprint for the cell within the mitochondria. Okay. So that's really what it is. Yes, it is the thing that metabolizes energy, does a bunch of things, regulates cell conditions, but ultimately it's the template for making new cells. Right. So you've got this barrier, gel on the inside, and then this central processing system that controls basically everything within that very simple and basic cell. And then I'm being super general, there is there does need to be the way to get nutrition in and out of the cell. And that's controlled either by organelles on the cell membrane, basically for euphemistic terms, mouths, or some sort of uh, passive transport mechanism like diffusion or something like that. But basically that's what you have as a cell. It's barrier from the outside world and material that makes favorable conditions within it 
and then this kind of brain processing power that possesses the ability to metabolize energy and reproduce. So, Without yeah, reproduction, so, life is useless. It's necessary to be able to make more little cells. Yeah. So, so that's what you've got with a cell. So Broderick, uh, and, just to chime in there uh, for sure. some clarification. So uh, obviously uh, our listeners are aware that we have trillions and trillions of these cells. So every one of those cells in the body have that makeup. They have other stuff in there, but they all have the, the cell membrane, the, that's, cytoplasm. That's the template in which you start with. All okay. cells will have those things. Okay. Whether you're talking about a brain cell, a blood cell, or a muscle cell, they have those things. Now, okay. each one of them has developed some other shit that makes them specialized to the job in which they're doing, yep, and yep. that came much later down the evolutionary pathway. Okay. Um, you know, cool. What we're talking about is so fundamental. All it can do is eat and reproduce. That's basically all that what I described is able to do. Yep. That's the equivalent of what you would find in a, a muddy pond somewhere. It's it's not very complex, but it is by definition alive because it can eat and reproduce. Okay. So that's where you started. Now from there things got more and more complex to the point where you have, like I said, blood cells which carry, you know, the iron necessary to bind oxygen to transport around. But a blood cell is useless without a complex creature in which to utilize it. So all of that complexity kind of developed uh, in tandem and kind of, um, I, I hate the word organically, but you know, organically entwined to one another in a symbiotic fashion. But when you talk about a cell, that's what you're talking about. Even in a muscle cell, those are the fundamental things in which you'll talk about in terms of it has a cell membrane, it has an interior, a cytoplasm. Mm -hmm. You might talk about that in terms of hypertrophy because yep. that's one of the things that can in fact hypertrophy. Um, and then you might even talk about that reproduction in the form of cell division, mitosis, uh, nuclear domation, and nuclear domains come into play. But it's still that very fundamental idea of you've got a, a membrane, some stuff on the outside, and some stuff on the inside. The inside's going to do something, get bigger, divide into two. Now you've got two somethings to start that process all over again. So that, I mean, that is, is super childish and like, you know, elementary school biology as that is, that's kind of important to understand that that's the fundamental deal in what you're you're talking about. Um, I don't know how complex you want to take it, but before we do, let me roll back and say what I was going to say to Tommy is, yeah. I, I know he has kind of an interest in uh, evolution and kind of how things got to where they are, mm. um, and how I said that it's the smallest unit of life, maybe... Um, the thinking in evolutionary science at the moment is that those components in which I described, the cell membrane and the nucleus, probably developed wholly independently. Some conditions in nature allowed for these little bubbles of nearly alive protein to form, basically cell membranes, but with nothing in them. It was just a quirk of nature that molecules would arrange themselves kind of in that shape. They would basically seal and just kind of bobble around just a quirk of nature, but there they were. Secondarily, like viruses and some other very singular and not alive but biologically active things, it is believed that nucleuses developed independently. They had the ability to metabolize and reproduce, but very, very vaguely on their own, very, very passively and mildly. And the belief is somewhere along the line, one or many of these nuclei wound up inside one of those little balls of jelly and found it to be a very habitable arrangement. 
a very symbiotic relationship. And that kept happening, and the process progressed to the point where they always existed together, and then eventually became just essentially one product, one item. But it's believed that they were thought to be completely independent, found their way together, developed a symbiotic relationship over hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of generations, which, keep in mind, it may not be that long when you're talking about something that fundamental. Mm. A thousand generations might take place in you know, six weeks. But yeah. nonetheless, it's right. believed that that two very almost alive things found their way together, made kind of good friends, and became the smallest unit of life, and then progressed forward, specializing ever more and diversifying ever more. Interestingly, that those two things seem separate but yet are not. And mm. again, then you have the you know, concept where two of these things found their way together, so you now have two independent cells, but they found some sort of benefit to being together. And before you know it, you now have multicellular arrangements. That's the key that led to higher life. Once you have three, four, five, ten, five million cells cohabitating, then over time, one group of them can begin to specialize. These will worry about energy metabolism. These will worry about locomotion. And through lots of processes, progress, lots of evolution, you get to where those groups of cells behaving somewhat synergistically ultimately lead to organs and very specialized machinery within a living creature. But uh, I'm, I'm doing no justice to the incredible complexity of it. But that's a very thumbnail sketch of how you went from not alive to alive with reproduction to cohabitation to multicellular organisms to, uh, you know, iPhones. Okay. Uh, absolutely fascinating, Broderick. And I'm curious, so if we go to the actual individual cell and there's some sort of force driving its existence and it, it chooses Being. to duplicate and you know there's Replicate. basic nutrition going on and it's producing more of itself and they're forming together is there some sort of force behind that <laughs> actually dry, like to sort of step back from a mechanistic view and, and look mm. a little more vitalistic do you think there's something actually a grand design or an intelligence driving all of that behavior um loads of people with far more interest and knowledge on philosophical items like that spend their lives thinking about it. <laughs> and every once in a while I check in and see what they have to say. Yeah. But as a rule, I simply don't think about that because it's just very alien to me. I, I don't have the kind of mind that grasps that sort of stuff. Mm. What I can tell you is, in my view, the thing driving it is basic laws of physics. Quantum electrodynamics, otherwise known as chemistry. The, the constituents involved can only behave in certain ways, under certain conditions. You know, I mean, nitrogen molecules bind together and make amino acids, and amino acids behave a certain way, and you know, sunlight falls on things and it does certain things. And it, to me, it just follows much more the rules of nature. I don't see the reason for any pixie dust or you know, <laughs> bearded deities or any. I, I just don't see that. But yeah. that's also the that's also fact proof positive that I'm, I'm relatively limited. I, I have a very narrow way of looking at things and that's it. Um, but if you're asking me, my answer is no. If you're asking me, do I know whether or not people believe that? I'm, absolutely. I, I just, but I, I'm not among them. I just, I see the mm. world as science and ions and pluses and minuses and equations and it, it either works out or it doesn't. Yep. 
fair enough. It's just, I mean, it's an intangible. How how do you know? I guess no one can know because it no. gets to a certain point where you have to make an assumption. You yeah, but that, that's true about everything. I mean, once upon a time, it was just a vague assumption why the sunset rose, and yeah. you know, now 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 we're pretty sure. So yeah. I'm not I'm not real sold on that argument. As far as that's that's reason to believe, yeah, I'm yeah. a little shaky on that. Yeah. And you forgot to mention at the start there that the God was uh, be all, and He created it got the ball rolling because it's not actually anything that's scientific or evolution in any way. It was all, you know, He <laughs> clicked His fingers and boom, and then there was Adam and Eve, and yeah, and, yeah. and He stroked His big white beard, big white, and, yeah, Gandalf-like beard. Yep, yep, yep that's mm. what happened. <laughs> you forgot to mention that, but. Uh, well, Absolutely you know, fascinating. That is, that is a comforting thought, but um, mm. it's, it's one that I just can't encompass. Yeah. I thought that was uh, brilliantly done. That was yes. a nice basic overview. A lot more that was dumbed down, but a lot more you know in in a cell itself. But they're the main things that uh, that we want to take away from that. So uh, some of those cells will group together and deal with energy production. Some of them will deal with locomotion, like you said, Broderick. At some point. There's uh, muscle cells and fat cells, mm -hmm. so why don't yep. we uh, focus on a couple of those? So, what's the primary difference uh, between uh, what we when we talk about you know mobilizing fatty acids from the cell, or then or you know getting carbohydrates into the cell? Mm. What's the difference between a fat and a and a muscle cell um, fundamentally? Well, see that you're you're, you're actually using bad language. <clears throat> fundamentally, <laughs> good one, Tom. Because fundamentally. They are the things in which I mentioned. There's yes. a membrane, stuff outside, stuff inside. You know, the, the membrane's there to regulate what goes on inside. There's some sort of, you know, uh, um, uh, nuclear material within the cell that determines that it is that kind of cell. Yep, and when right. it reproduces, it will re reproduce like cells. The difference is over just scads and scads of, you know, evolution and change and specialization, these cells have diversified to the point where they're peripherally seeming wildly different. You know, a nerve cell does an entirely different job. It serves an entirely different purpose than a fat cell or a muscle cell. But fundamentally, they have those basic parts. It's like the difference between a race car, uh, a family car, and a dump truck. They have some radical differences, obviously, even to the point mm. of the fuel they use. But they also have... You know, roughly, you know, four wheels or at least two groupings of wheels. That you know, the front wheels steer. They, you know, there's parts that go round and round. I think there's some real solid fundamentals that even if you knew nothing about cars, you could recognize them as vaguely yeah. the same yep. class right. of thing. Yep. Yep. That's the kind of thing we have here. Mm -hmm. As these cells have ever specialized, they've taken on some very distinct characteristics that allow you to go, oh, that is a nerve cell. But fundamentally. It's pretty similar in that, you know, membrane, internal material, nuclear material, and it's connected in some way to the whole. But okay. specialization has raised to the point where a fat cell basically is just a parking place for triglycerides, a specific, you know, a, a der derivation of fatty acids. And a muscle cell is almost exclusively there to power muscular contraction mm. via the actin-myosin crossbridge. Um, complicated shit, but at the end of the day, it's still a boundary with some internal material. It's just that the information it's sending somewhere or the information it's receiving is very specialized. Yeah, and yeah. And, and you mentioned the 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 nucleus and the, the DNA, the encoding in that cell and that mitochondria. Is that um, that's what differs with all these cells? Like the actual 
a message or blueprint in the cell of a muscle cell is different to a fat cell it's different to a nerve Absolutely. cell it's different right. to a blood cell so from the outside looking in looks like a car but when we get close some are race cars some are dump trucks like you said yep. some are family cars and they're all just uh, programmed uh, through the DNA and the nucleus to just do different things within the body but they're all exactly wow that's good and, and even then interestingly if you really get down to a chemical level like for instance um, you know, we're I, I was primed that we're going to talk a little bit about the Krebs cycle, Ooh, yeah. which generates the actual energy that must that cells burn, which is ATP. And interestingly, every cell in the body only runs on that one variety of fuel, ATP. So again, despite all these Ooh. radical differences, the ultimately the, like the coin of the realm, the real fundamental programming, you know, the four wheels and an engine kind of thing, are shockingly similar. No matter where you look, right. yes, very cool. yes, yes, very cool. Okay, right. Well, we, I mean, we touched on the the Krebs cycle just then. We may mm. as well start to tippy toe around it. I mean, it's, no, it's Tom, obviously a Tom <laughs> balls deep, balls deep into Let's it. Let's go okay. right up to the guts in nuts. Let's okay. do it. So, a couple of shows back, Broderick, you you said that energy is burnt via mitochondrial organelles, mm. and absolutely. And so, we want to understand. So all of the energy that we expend as a human or, you know, all of the fat loss that we achieve comes down to that process? Absolutely. And interestingly, I'll tie that back into that whole evolutionary, you know, separate parts, making friends, becoming alive kind of thing. Um, the Krebs cycle uh, actually kind of has a name change somewhere along the line. When I was in college, it was still referred to as the Krebs cycle after Dr. Hans Krebs. Uh, I think it was in the 20s he put together the basic thumbnail sketch. Uh, since then, you might, or people listening might hear it referred to as the citric acid cycle. Uh, Somewhere yes. along the line, science got a little PC, and they decided to take people's names out of things and make it more generic. But a guy named Dr. Hans Krebs originally worked this out. Mm -hmm. Apparently, people are now referring to it as the acetic acid cycle because acetic acid is one of the major constituents. So, okay, fair enough. But anyway, I learned it as the Krebs cycle, okay, and okay. it is far beyond the scope of this talk yep. on a technical level. In a general concept, what it is is a series of chemical reactions that derive an ever more energy out of large complex molecules. Um, think of like petroleum. You pump petroleum out of the ground, but you don't actually do anything with that, that black, goopy stuff. It has to be processed. And it's broken down, and the first step is, you know, maybe kerosene, and then, you know, jet fuel, and then a gasoline, and then all the way, and you get down to the very bottom to where there's just some scrappy dust, and strangely, they even use that to make plastics. So it's kind of like the, what the, in the oil industry, they refer to it as the pork process, where it's, it's like a pig. There's no part wasted. You just keep breaking it down into ever, ever smaller pieces until there's literally nothing left. Mm. Uh, as my grandmother used to say, the only thing wasted with a pig is the squeal. <laughs> um, same thing in oil, and interestingly, same thing in human metabolism. So you take in these very large, complex molecules, fatty acids, proteins, carbohydrates, and they are not used in their whole state. People always just say, oh, I'm loading on carbs or I'm burning carbs or whatever. The reality is you're burning ATP, and it is this complicated series of chemical events called Krebs cycle that gets ATPs and I use the plural there because it's very relevant out of this process. So what happens is, and I'll just really brush through this because there's... Yeah, you know, go for I, it. I, I don't actually know how many without looking it up, but 
I'm going to say like 40 steps in this process. Okay. But there's something called acetyl-CoA, acetyl-CoEnzyme, uh, that in, in conjunction with oxygen and carbohydrate, this acetyl-CoA reaction, and you get something called uh, pyruvate. And then, again, there, and, and at the transition from those initial starting points to pyruvate, there's a release of ATPs. Actually, that's a lie. There's a release of ADP, and the extra free phosphate has to get added later. But in general, there's a release of a certain amount of energy in the form of ATP, ultimately. And now you've got this pyruvate. And then the pyruvates run through a number of processes. It is broken down into pyruvic acid. And at that transition from one thing to the other, every time you make something smaller, there's a waste product. In this case, the waste product is the usable energy. ATP. And so this large, complicated fatty acid keeps getting broken down all the way, all the way, all the way until it's literally nothing but ATP and some random scraps. The scraps are sent off as true waste products, and then the, there's one little chunk left that interestingly, it goes all the way around kind of in a circle, not actually, but metaphorically, into the beginning of the reaction and binds in that initial acetyl-CoA reaction and starts the whole process again. So it's just this constant cascade of big molecules breaking down into slightly smaller molecules, releasing usable energy, and so on and so on. Interestingly, this only happens in the presence of oxygen. This is not your short-term anaerobic energy source. Yep. That's an entirely different energy system, uh, typically the electron transfer system, uh, which is separate and not even very interesting to talk about. But it's this complicated series of events. Um, two things that I can point out that are interesting. Uh, one, to the relevance of exercise. Everybody bemoans lactic acid. Oh, I, I, my legs burn, they're full of lactic acid. First of all, that's dumb and wrong and a lie. Second of all, lactic acid is actually your best friend in the universe because it's the major component in this system that ultimately derives the energy you're actually fucking exercising on in the first place. Um, Acetyl-CoA and pyruvic acid and pyruvate are the fundamental drivers of generating the energy you live on on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. So... Just that's a really super streamlined thumbnail of it, yep. and then telling me to go back to you and tie that all into the evolutionary thing. Dr. Crabb initially hypothesized, and this was relatively outside of the scopes of who he was. He was a biochemist, but he conceived and proposed the idea that each fundamental step in the Krebs cycle probably represented each escalation of complexity on the evolutionary ladder. Uh. Each creature or each you know, variety of organism, as they got more complex, they required greater energy, they had greater energy demands, and so developed an additional step to derive energy out of these large molecules. So initially the process was probably very generic and energy wasting, mm. and that simply didn't suffice to these ever more complex uh, you know, creatures that were you know, developing through through evolution, and so by the time we got to you know invertebrates and higher and even primates, it was necessary to have this process that literally derived these large molecules down to literally nothing, a, a very low waste, high yield process, or else complex creatures would have been underfueled and not survived. Yep. So it, it's interesting that everything you can talk about ultimately comes down to deriving energy from these large and natural you know, organic molecules and that it probably was an evolutionary process. I, I find that fascinating. Yes. It's a major reason why I wanted to pursue it as an educational point.
And this, uh, again, just for clarification, Broderick, this Krebs cycle is occurring in every cell. Is that is that where it's occurring? In every, all these trillions of cells in the body, this, this cycle... As as needed, each cell obviously different different processes. To, to a degree, I I, w I wouldn't say actually every cell because in true high primates, certain cells are to the point where they're almost passive. For instance, fat cells do almost no metabolizing. Yes, this happens there, but on such a ridiculously low scale, it it bears no mention. When you're talking about metabolism, you're talking about high energetics, which are typically you know, brain cells, muscle cells, organ cells, where there's actually processes of construction, building. Uh, fat cells, for instance, they're, they're so passive. They're basically like you're just garages in which fatty acids are parked in. They are, in fact, alive, and they do a certain amount of metabolism, but it's staggeringly low. Right. Yeah. So as, okay. as pretty much that Krebs cycle is occurring wherever energy is needed within the body. So if you look at the body and obviously fat cell, you know, you, you would say that doesn't need a lot of energy. But then, like you said, muscle cells, organs, obviously these things, uh, heart cell, you know, muscle cells in the heart, the brain, all these things are buzzing away, liver cells. And these uh, yep. cells are where all this Krebs cycle is occurring using all the, the, like you said, the molecules we eat, the carbohydrates, the protein and fats. And they're uh, being utilized by in this this, this Krebs cycle to fuel um, energy and metabolism, mm. basically, mm. And, and sustain yes. life. Okay. What, uh, uh, what um, okay, cool, get it, Krebs cycle using the bigger molecules. What dictates, like, is it uh, muscle cells will be going to, for the protein? Uh, you, no. you, you know what I mean? No, like, any... any any major organic molecule can be introduced into the Krebs cycle. It is, there is a preference in terms of um, efficiency, but a fatty acid, a carbohydrate, or a fat can be metabolized through these various pathways, essentially without any major change. Uh, well, that, yeah, that's a lie, because there is a change. Like amino acids need to be deaminated, yeah. fatty acids need to be stripped of their carbon structure and made into free, uh, free fatty acids or, or free triglycerides. But, but ultimately, the answer to your question is no. All of these things are, in fact, usable. And even, and this will pucker the ass of some of those dimwits the out there that feet. are just dying to get a hold of some reason why ketogenics is such a great idea. Even in the absence of these things, um, kind of replacement fuels can be introduced into this Krebs cycle. For instance, ketones. Uh, so in the absolute absence of anything usable, the body can fracture fats into ketones, and ketones can enter the Krebs cycle and derive uh, ATP. So yeah. it, it, it's such a fundamental and kind of key log uh, concept that there's simply no way to get around it. Ultimately, when a cell burns energy, it came from ATP, and ultimately that ATP got there by one of tiers of operation in the Krebs cycle. Okay, yeah. this is awesome, bro. Okay, I'm yeah. getting a nice nice picture, and I think our listeners are as well, because Tommy and I are pretty uh, dopey, and if we can get it, I think you guys are getting it. Yep.
Okay, Rodham. Well, I knew you were paying a lot of attention during that, so I'm just going to ask mm, you mm. to uh, provide a, a two-page <laughs> dissertation on, on the Krebs cycle. Thanks, mate. If you well, <laughs> I'm going to have to... Uh, how long have I got? Well, that was uh, a wonderful part one mm. of um, an extended chat with Brodericks, and, and he'll be back next week for part two. Excellent. Yeah, so next week, now that he's sort of broken down... He's laid know, down that, the foundation. The, the energy production, we're going to go into, um, I guess, the hierarchy of how the body utilises energy as fuel, mm. and uh, then we're going to talk about testosterone and how it actually ah, yes. how it builds muscle. So looking forward to the evil genius back Very again good. next week. Any okay, so that wraps up uh, another one. Yeah, anything you'd like to uh, leave the audience Mate, with? Mate, uh, just every time we do have Broderick on, it's, uh, it's always a, a fun experience. I, yes. I, I must say it, uh, <laughs> it is a... It is. A, I mean, I hope that uh, comes across that way too. Yeah. It's really enjoyable to have him uh, virtually in the studio, which yes. is uh, really exciting. And, and like I said at the start, maybe uh, maybe 2018 may uh, may get down under, mm. uh, bring the wife, and uh, maybe a Queensland and uh, a Sydney type uh, scenario. Be but uh, yeah. yeah, any expressions of interest, make sure you give us a yell. Maybe leave us a speak pipe if yeah. you if you're game, and we'll play whatever you say. Yeah, that <laughs> yes. is, we've already thrown that no, out, I've there, chucked it out there. Yeah. Chucked it out yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah. say whatever you want and it's going and to we're air. We're going to play it, yeah, no matter there what. There you go. All right, have a great day. We'll talk to you next time.